Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I'm glad to see all of you this morning. I'm going to welcome all those into 715 who are watching us online this morning. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. We're glad that you have chosen this beautiful Sunday morning to connect with us. And uh, we just pray that God would give you a great experience today. And I uh, just want to announce, you know, that is... Uh, our youth director slash social media. There's a lot of people who have slash status uh, on our staff, but that's Garrett Metz, and he just had a birthday yesterday. And uh, we just give him a shout out this morning. <laughs> happy birthday, Garrett. Make sure you, you, you step up and you say happy birthday to Garrett. I really appreciate all that he does. And uh, I don't know if you notice that, but a group of teenagers usually step out on our Sunday mornings, and uh, he has a special time with them, and they're connecting this morning. So this is a great place to be if you have uh, teens or if you have kiddos. Uh, it's a great place to be. We want to be a, a church that ministers to the next generation. Just want to make a, a, a quick announcement this morning. Uh, we have had we have a, a board member who has stepped down, Charlie Geimer. Uh, who has been a part of this church for the past few years. And if you don't know Charlie, man, he has done a lot, a lot of work behind the scenes to help this church. And he has helped me personally. And uh, I just want to give a public recognition and just say I appreciate Charlie and all the things that he has done for Thrive Church. Uh, can we just give him a shout out this morning? Charlie, I appreciate you, my friend. And I'm grateful for all these done, and we're just going to be praying and ask uh, God to lead us uh, in the direction of uh, fulfilling that role. So we have been in a summer series called We Are, and I'm just kind of extending this on a little bit and maybe going in a little bit different direction. I want to encourage you, if you want to follow along in your sermon notes, you get so much more out of that message. And you can all e even go to uh, the YouVersion app, if you're familiar with the YouVersion app, and you can find our sermon notes on the YouVersion app. But, uh, but we've been focusing on the mission, the vision, and the values of the church. And don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of those steps again. But I encourage you to, to remember and just stay focused on what we're all about here. But today we're going to talk about to get in focus on why everything that we've just talked about is so important. Why it's so important. Can everybody hear me okay? Am I good to go, Michael? Give me a thumbs up. Good deal. Okay. And, and I want to focus on... This is by far my favorite portion of Scripture in the entire Bible. We're going to be looking at it, and I'm not even going to do it justice this morning. You could, I could spend just weeks and, and do a sermon series on this, but I, this was just heavy, heavy on my heart the past few weeks. And as I think about our mission and our vision and values and, and what we want to see God do in our church, but not just in our church, but in our community, and not just in our community, but in the 715 in, in our country. And, and we're going to be focused on Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And this is the story of the prodigal son. Now, all of us, we've, we've heard of that phrase. Many of you have heard this story many times. But it's a parable. And always please remember as you look through the Gospels and you see these stories or you see the parable of, of the seed and you, you see this, a parable is basically, it's a story. And it's a story to explain deep spiritual matters. 
So in other words, God was like, he would pour out and Jesus would explain a spiritual issue to them and they would probably just give this blank look and like, what are you talking about? So Jesus would tell a story and say, listen, listen, you, you need to get this. And, and I would say to you this morning, man, there, there's so much here that God wants to speak into your life about in this story. It is a story, it starts with a tragedy. It's kind of a tragic beginning, but it has a redemptive ending. How many of you, you love movies like that? You love to read stories. It's like, oh my goodness, like how is this going to end up? How is this going to wind up? And then it's a redemptive story. It has my favorite kind of stories. I love listening, and, and I want to get continue to get to know you. So many others I've not gotten to know. I want to hear your redemptive story. But this parable speaks of the Father's heart of God for his people. Listen to me. This parable, it explains, to you, it explains to us how God feels about you. Because each and every person in this room, we, we are that prodigal son. We are that prodigal child. And, and it's, it's really, it talks about a spiritual status that really each and every one of us, and, and those who are watching online, we have a status of where we are of our spiritual condition. And so this first spiritual condition, it talks about the Bible. Jesus uses this phrase that people are spiritually lost. In other words, these are people who are living their lives without God, and we've, we've been there. We, many of us, have, we've went down that road before, we discovered it doesn't work. And really, we know the emptiness that it creates, and we know the, 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 the eternal life that it, it provides, and it's, it's scary. But we also know that there's a status, and it's called to be spiritually found, and this means to be connected with God, to be filled with God's spirit, because that's what God does to you. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God fills you with his spirit. And with that, there comes this love, this joy, this peace. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? You experience this fulfillment that you've been looking for in this world and you couldn't find it anyplace else. And finally, when you found God, you found it. And it just began to fill your life. But not only this, you found a hope that you know that this physical body is going to pass away, but you have an eternal salvation with God. Amen? We have a hope. We have a blessed hope, and it's called heaven. So here's a story. If you've never heard this story before, I'll just kind of paraphrase it for you. So there's this man in back in the old times, and he had two sons. And the youngest son was kind of venerating those rebellious years. How many of you remember those years where nobody could tell you what to do and you wanted it all? Well, he wanted out. He was tired of living under the, the rules or whatever of his dad. And he said, so he confronted his dad and he said, dad, and, and they did that back then. He said, you know, I, I want my inheritance. I want my half of the inheritance. So the father gave him the inheritance. And once he received his half of the inheritance from his, you know, the, the other brother received his part. It said that he went out and he blew it. He blew it all. The Bible says that he, he engaged in wild living and he just blew it. How many of you understand when, I'm, when, I'm, when I say you, you blow it? 
I'm sure nobody in this room has ever blown it before. Those who are watching online, you've never blown it before, but he blew it. And it says that he ran out of money, he ran out of his inheritance that he blew. And that there, in a coincidence, there was a famine that came across the way, and he was rock bottom. You ever been in rock bottom before? Sometimes I, I know parents who are just, they pray for their child to reach rock bottom. Maybe some of you online, you've, you might be at rock bottom today. And you know, I, I, I hear sometimes people say, well, just wait for them to hit rock bottom, or I'm waiting to hit rock bottom before I, I make my peace with God. But here's what I, what I tell people. Sometimes people don't survive rock bottom, right? But here was a young man who, who hit rock bottom, and he was unable. He, he finally found a job. But he found a job working for a pig farmer. Well, in that culture, in that day, that's like the lowest of the lowest. How many of you ever watched the show Dirty Jobs? Okay, back in those days, this would have been the lowest on the level of dirty jobs. And he got a job working as a pig farmer, and he got so hungry, I mean, he just must not have been making much, that he began to eat the pig's food, the food that they were, eat, they were giving to the pigs. Well, one day, he finally, the Bible says that he came to his senses. And he thought to himself, just what if? What if I were to go back to my dad and maybe, just maybe, I know he has every right to be angry with me, to be disappointed with me, to be ashamed of me, but just maybe he would give me a job as one of his servants and at least I, I would get some food and, and get some shelter. And so he took the risk and he went home. And it says that when he was far off, his father was looking at it. And I can just imagine, yeah, I'm, I'm a dad, Okay. And I can just imagine that father, you know, we, we, have, we live in the, uh, kind of close to the woods, the edge of the woods, and I always find myself looking out the window because there's some deer out there, you know? And I, I like to look deer. I like to see deer. I like to hunt deer. I don't hunt deer in my backyard, but I have been tempted. But I'm, I'm always kind of looking. I walk by the window, and I'm always kind of looking. Are they out there? And I can just imagine this father each and every day, walking by the window, is, is, is he coming home? I hope today he would come home. Man, I, I miss my son. I love to see my son. And it said that one day his son came home, and when he was far off, the father saw him, and he was so excited that he ran out to his son. And his son is probably, hey, dad, 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 and his dad is not even paying attention. And he's hugging him, and he's kissing him, because that's part of the culture. I am so glad to see you. And he says, get a robe for my son. Get, get a ring, a family ring, and put it on his finger. Get some sandals. Our son, who once was lost, is now found. He once was dead, but he's alive today. Listen to me. This is Jesus who's telling us this story. And he says, oh, we're going to have a party, and we're going to celebrate. If you've been a part of Thrive Church long enough, and I give that salvation explanation at the end, and this is where I get that idea that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes to salvation. That's where I get this idea. It talks about that three times in Luke chapter 15. 
And it's all because his father, listen to me, many fathers today would have a father, would have a, a, a view of shame and disappointment. Like you just go back there too, you learn your lesson, but here was a father who had a different life view. He saw that his son, there's a redemption story that happened here. His son, who once was lost, is now found. So this morning I want to talk about, in this parable, we see three different life views from these three characters that I think maybe we can resonate with you. I want to ask you this morning, see if you can find yourself in one or maybe two, maybe three of these life views. The first life view that I want to talk about this morning is a self-focused view. Self-focused life view. And by the way, a life view, each of us has a life view. It's how we view, how we see the world, how we see our faith and how we interact and how we live. Our life view shapes how we live. And so the first one is a self-focused one. And we get this from the prodigal son. Now the word prodigal is this, is someone who lives their life wastefully. Wastefully. In other words, they have been given so much and they just waste it away. Waste it away. It says here in verse 12, Luke 15, it says, The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Can you just imagine going to your father? I, I want out. I want out and I want it all. I want it my way. I want my desires. So, so his father, his father agreed, and he divided his wealth between his sons. Now, again, in Middle East culture back in those days, if a son that did this, if a son went and, and apparently you could do that back in those days, but if a son did this, what they were actually doing is they were looking their father in the eyes and saying, I wish you were dead so that I could have all of your possessions. That's a pretty bold statement. I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead so I could live the way I want to live. And he's, he's writing his father off. But the father responds with me, and, and we see in the rest of the story that there's kind of a heart of reconciliation here. But by accepting the inheritance, it meant accepting the responsibility to carry on for, for providing for the family. That was his responsibility in that culture. Okay, if dad gives you the inheritance, you have a responsibility with what you have been given. But we know that the son did not choose that. It says in verse 13, it says that a few days later, this younger son, he packed up all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money and wild living. The prodigal son, the reason why he did this, here's the reason why. Because he was self focused. His whole world revolved around himself. And this really, this is really for all of us, this is kind of our default setting. All of us. All of us are sinful creatures. It started with our great, 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 great grandparents a long time ago. And we've had, we, we grow up with this default setting that I want it my way at any cost. And you see, that's what sin does. It causes us to live selfishly. That's, what, that's really the root of all sin is selfishness. 
And, and, and so here's, here's how it goes. We, we, selfishness is set up like this. It's, it's my desires. It's what I want. I, I chase after my desires, and I want, I want it my way. I don't care about every other else's way. I want it my way because I know that if I have my desires fulfilled and I have it done my way, then I will have my happiness. That is the thinking of somebody who is self focused. I just, want, I just want it all for me. And one day I will have happiness. I will have that joy that I'm looking for. I will have, if I have these things, I'll have that peace I'm looking for. I will have that fulfillment that I'm looking for. And so we fall into this trap and we make it all about ourselves. But here's, the, here's what we all have known. This is what we all will discover if we haven't already, is that it never comes. That happiness that peace, that joy. And you may have a garage and a house full of a lot of things, but you're always missing that peace. You're always missing that happiness. Am I talking to you this morning? See, in the book of Proverbs, you know, the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon, and, and they say that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And he said this twice. He says the same phrase twice, Proverbs 14, 12, and Proverbs 16, 25. So whenever, whenever a same scripture is quoted twice, that's emphasis. That is like, get this. And he says this. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right. And, and I don't know about you, but what my desires and my things that I'm chasing, uh, it, for me, it just seems so right. It could be so wrong for everybody else, but it seems so right. But, it, but he says, but in the end, it leads to death. A self-focused life leads to death. It, it's a dead end. In fact, even the Apostle Paul tells us this, and you've heard this passage before many times. He tells us in Romans 6, 23, he says this. He says, for the wages of our sin. In other words, as a result, this is what you get when you live the sin, self-focused life. That, that, the, the result is death. And this is not just physical death. We all know that we are all going to physically die, and it all is because of sin. But it's more important than that, more important than your physical death is your spiritual death. He says, but, everybody say, but. Everybody say, but. Oh, you want to thank the Lord for this but right here. Thank the Lord for this but and the, for the but right here. He says, but the free gift of God, it's a free gift, is eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to me. A self-focused life, a self-focused view ultimately leads to a sin-focused life. I didn't say that right. Let me say it right. A self-focused view will always lead to a sin-focused life. I'll say that one more time. You can write that in your notes. A self-focused view. When you are living your life all about you, ultimately will lead to a sin-focused life. The word is sin. And, and the Greek word, and I'm going to tear this word up, is hamartia. Ham, hamartia. That's the Greek word. And, and it, it is literally, and I, I looked this up, it means to miss the mark. 
to wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do wrong, to violate God's laws. And here's, here's what I, here's, here would be my definition. If I was to define sin, it is to willingly and defiantly play outside the established boundaries of your, for your own benefit. So if you have this, that picture here, we, we just watched the Olympics and we know that Football season's coming up. We watched the Packers yesterday. They kind of struggled a little bit. We, we understand that there are boundaries in sports. And, and we know, we, we, when we participate in sports and we watch our favorite team, we want a fair and honest game, right? That, that, that just, and it just is irritating and it's frustrating when somebody continually tries to sneak around and go around the boundaries and, and, and that's called cheating. And it's just irritating. It's frustrating to us when people do that. But why are they doing that? Because they want to get ahead. Because they are self-focused. I was, I'm reading this book about Tom Brady and, and um, Bill Belichick, the, the, the coach and quarterback of the, of the New England Patriots. And they're kind of in that section where, if you remember... Uh, deflate gate. How many of you have heard of deflate gate? Okay. And so I don't know the answer. I still don't know what the answers are. But uh, Tom Brady, the quarterback, some people say the greatest quarterback who's ever lived, that he was caught cheating. He was, he was telling the ball boys or people who are handling the footballs because he, he liked the, the footballs a little bit squishy. All right. And so he was telling him to deflate it below the, the boundaries of what was allowed, okay? And he was trying to get away from it. And, and, and it turned into this, like, this gigantic deal. And it was frustrating. And, and actually, they were interrupting, like, every TV program was interrupting uh, their shows to say where it was with this status. I mean, so the whole country, and people were frustrated because here's somebody who's gone around the boundaries for their own self-gain, to try to get ahead. And that's what people do, and even in just a small ways. And, and later on, it was resolved, and, and, the, and the New England Patriots, they had to play millions of, pay millions of dollars, and Tom Brady had to sit out a bunch of games, and they lost some draft. I mean, it was just a big mess. In other words, it wasn't worth it. What he was looking for, the gain that he was looking for, he didn't find it. And that's what Paul, and that's what the Word of God tells us about our sin. It's never worth it. So, so there's, there's the prodigal son, all right? Like, there's two other views I want to talk about here. And there's the works-focused, works-focused view. And this we get from the older brother in his response to the story. You see, his focus caused him to live self-righteously. And I don't know if you, any of you have ever fallen into that trap but whenever you come into a relationship with God, it's easy to fall into this trap. Self-righteousness is a person who carries themselves with a holier-than-thou attitude. How many of you, you grew up watching Saturday Night Live and you remember Church Lady? How many of you remember Church Lady? If I can do it to her. Isn't that special? Well, I wonder who made you do that. This may be out of Satan. Okay, there's my impersonation there. Satan make you do that? Well, aren't you just a sinner? Need Jesus in your life. How many of you know people who actually talk like that? How many of you are sitting next to that person? Who, okay. 
In other words, these are the people, I mean, really, we know people who have lived like that. We know that maybe you have been in that place before where you were the church lady of your home and it was your responsibility to pick out the sins of others. But they're so full of their religious piety, if I can use that phrase, that they tend to look at the rest of the world with disgust and disdain. If you look through the Gospels, look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the story of Jesus. And you will see the people that, if there was people who irritated Jesus, okay? I would say Jesus got irritated. It was these people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were church lady all day long. And they would live their lives walking through the communities and say, well, it's not special wearing that slinky little outfit there, okay? And they were just, they were constantly picking out the sins of other people. And really, self-righteous people, you'll find a lot of times they're picking out the sins of others, quickly picking them out so that it deflects from their own sin in their own lives. Look at how the oldest son was self-righteous. Listen to this. Listen, just listen. Find the self-righteousness in it. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. Remember a works-focused mindset? When he returned, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on here? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father was killed, the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because your lost son, your lost brother has come home. And the older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all of these years I have slaved. I have worked. I have done all of these things. I have done all of these things right. I have lived the righteous life. And you never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. In other words, I'd never got my reward. In all of that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes home after squandering your money on prostitutes and you, and you celebrate by killing a fattened calf, do you, do you see the self-righteousness? I mean, we, can, we can see his point, right? We see his point, but we can also see the self-righteousness in his. And see, in his work's focus on his life, it shaped his response to his brother's return. Instead of being joyful, instead of seeing the spiritual significance of it, he shows his self-righteousness. He's angry. He's resentful. Have you ever been there before? You're resentful? I have, I have done so much for God, and this person just slides in. No, 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 no. They... They need to pay the price. They feel entitled. I, the son was saying, I'm the good son. I'm the one who's entitled to this big party and celebration. Why aren't we celebrating my goodness? Why? This, he is, he's kind of having that judge and jury mode. In other words, here's the son who knows all of the rules and he knows all the accept, acceptable standards for living and he's quick to point out, look, look at what your son did. He's resentful. 
a works-focused view, a works-focused mindset is a religious mindset. And some of, some of you may be online or just like, I'm, I'm kind of confused. Doesn't God want me to be religion? No, 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 God does not want your religion. God wants your relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. It's not based on your religion. Religion is all of the world's religions. They are works-based. Do a study on this. All of the world's religions except Christianity are works-based. If you want to please God... You are going to have to behave the right way. If you want to please God, you are going to have to believe the right things. And only then, if you behave and believe right, then you can belong. But the reality is this. We need to face the reality is that salvation is not by your works. A works view is going to disappoint you every time. It's only going to leave you frustrated. It's going to leave you in a self-righteous mode, just like this second son here. Let me read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. The Apostle Paul tells us this, that God, listen to me, God saved you by his grace. And this happened when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation, listen to me, if you get anything out of this message and you can turn me out, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. In other words, this son had no reason to boast about his good works. You know what? This totally, this, this passage right here, it totally contradicts the religious view. You see, being right with God, all of us are here today. And those who are watching online, I'm sure all of us, we want to be right with God. But what does that mean? Well, please understand, it's not a reward for your righteous efforts. Understanding being right with God is not about a reward for righteous efforts. It's by God's grace. And I could just spend so much time talking about God's grace, but I want you to know God's grace is complete forgiveness even when you don't deserve it. God pours out his grace on each and every one of us. Those who are watching online, God is pouring out his grace for you today. And understand that God's grace is free. It's not something that we have to work towards or strive towards. It is the free gift of God. God doesn't owe you anything. It's free. All you have to do is to receive it. Have you received God's grace today? Have you received it? Let me talk about the third person the third view is a lost, focused view. And this is the father heart of God. Again, again, let's just back up here. Wait a second here. This is Jesus talking about something so significant. He said, let me tell you a story about how man sees the world. And let me tell you how God sees the world. This part right here explains how God sees the world. The father 
heart of God. It's interesting when you look and just again here, put this message on pause here. If you look at Luke chapter 15, it's so interesting here. This is the only time where Jesus would tell us three parables in a row on the same topic. Catch that. No other time does Jesus do that. But he says, he says, he's talking to the Pharisees, talking to a crowd. He says, I want to tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of the lost sheep. And it talks about a sheep that was lost from the herd. And a shepherd went out and rescued it. And there was a celebration because that one sheep that was lost was found. And then he tells, he said, let me tell you another story. There was this woman, and she lost a coin in her home. And she went through the entire house. She lit a lamp, and she dug, and she found, she found the coin. And that coin out of value was once was lost, but now it's found. Let me tell you one more story. And he tells a story of a prodigal son who once was lost, and now is found. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? This is the Father heart of God. And as we talk about church mission, vision, and values, we need to understand the Father heart of God. Have you ever lost anything valuable before? Nobody can fully grasp something lost, like a parent who has lost their child in a department store. How many of you can relate to losing a child? Our son is so witty. He has always been just witty and just, so we, I remember when we would go, he would go to Kohl's. We would go shopping into Kohl's. And I swear it was his mission, as mom and dad were kind of looking at everything, it was his mission to get lost. And all of a sudden, where is he? Where's Ty? Where's Ty? Like, I didn't see him. Where is he? Remember this, Michelle? You know what our son used to do? <laughs> I don't know if your child has ever done this, but our son would go and stand next to the mannequins. <laughs> and we would be looking all around, and I would, I would walk by those mannequins three or four times. Where is he? Oh, my goodness. Where, uh, where is he? And, you know, what's happened? Did, did a stranger take him? And there he is. <laughs> and the joy, <laughs> you know, the frustration and the irritation and the joy of finding our son who once was lost, but now he's found, he's redeemed. Listen to the father heart of God in this next part. So he, talking about the prodigal son, he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled. Listen to me. Remember what the son did. Wasted. So much potential was given to him, and he wasted it all. Instead of the father being full of anger and resentment, filled with love and compassion. Listen to me. I don't know where you've been or whatever happened in your life, where you are right now. No matter how far you have run for God, God is looking at you, and his heart, his eyes are filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, 
I have sinned. You know what this is? This is an act of repentance. I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Verse 22 and 24. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have fattened. We must celebrate with a feast. We must celebrate. This is the win of heaven. This is the Super Bowl of heaven. This is the, the Lombardi trophy of heaven. When, and he says, this son of mine, he once was dead and now he returned to life. He was lost and now he was found. You want to know what makes God happy? You want to know what God makes him, what makes him happy? The day that you surrendered your life to Jesus and you returned to him and you said, God, I, I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow you. All of heaven rejoices. If you've ever been to Lambeau Field before and somebody scores a touchdown and people go berserk and they're just high-fiving complete strangers, that's heaven. Multiply times a million. Heaven rejoices. Look at the father's response. His father saw him coming. He was lost, focused. I believe that we serve a God who is lost, focused. And he's looking out for us each and every day, and we're calling out to him. And as we engage in relationship with God each and every day, Father God loves that, but he's continually looking out the window looking for his son to come home, looking for his daughter to come home, that prodigal child to come home. And I want you to know, as I said before, your God, your heavenly father is filled with love and compassion no matter what somebody has told with you, told you in the past. Maybe somebody told you that God was angry with you, mad at you, he could never accept you. I want you to know that's a lie. That your heavenly father is filled with love and compassion it's not full of judgment. It is not filled with condemnation. The roots, listen to me, the roots of grace are love and compassion. I'll say that one more time. The roots of grace are love and compassion. And when he saw his son coming, he ran to his lost son because the father was grace-focused. This means when you, you belong you belong in Christ, each and every one of us. We belong to Christ, all of you. Are belong, you are his child. And when you believe, when you accept your identity in Christ, it has a direct effect on your belief. And that's when you become, when we know that we belong, it affects what we believe. It's then that we become more like Christ. I'll say that one more time. When we know that we belong, it affects what we believe. When we know what we believe, it's then that we become more like Christ. Look what Paul says here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, anyone, 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 we all belong. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. How does this, how does this happen? How does this happen? It happens when we repent. That's what the prodigal son did. When he came to his senses and he came to that place, I can't do this on my own. Have you come to that place before? I can't do this on my own. I need God. 
That's the beginning of repentance. And that's the beginning of turning back to God. And then it's going to God. And going to God and just humbling yourself and say, God, I need you. Maybe that's what you need today. Just need to call out to God and say, God, I need you. That's when we belong. We become, at that moment, we say, hey, I was running from you as your child, but now I run to you. I want to be your child. And it's then that we become a new person. As I said before, God places his spirit inside of you and begins this redemptive work inside of you. And then he says here, the old life is gone, a new life has become. Some of you are listening to me right now and you are saying, I have heard this a million times. I know this. Thank you, pastor, because I was, was a prodigal child and now I, 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 I'm, I'm in relationship with God. Thank you for reminding me. So why is this so important? Listen to me, I'm almost finished here. When you look at James, the brother of Jesus, and he says these words, this is towards the end of his writing. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church here, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Why is this so important? This is important because this is where your father's heart is. This is Jesus' mission, to come and seek and save the lost. This is where your father's heart is. I want to have my father's heart. I want to have a heart for the prodigals of this world. I want to have that view. Second of all, the church, and I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about all, everybody in this room. Each of us has a significant role in God's redemptive plan. Did you know that? There's relationships that you have that you are part of God's plan. And last of all, I want you to hear this. Souls are on the line. We have to grasp that. Souls are on the line. And, and that's the father heart of God. And that's why he celebrates when they come home. And so we as a church, this is why we, we look at this mission, vision, and values. We're called to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. It's because we, we say that's our mission. We want to live by that mission because we want to have the Father heart of God. I want to ask you today, where is your focus? Where's your focus? And just be honest with yourself. You don't need to talk to anybody else this morning. But are you here today? And we just say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not, not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I've really been living self-focused. And I really never saw it this way. I want to turn. I want to turn from my ways, and I want to follow God. If you, you're here today, you don't need to raise your hand. But in your heart, this is between you and God. You're watching online, and you say, yeah, I am living this self-focused life. And I realize, just like that prodigal son, I need to turn around and I need to turn toward God. You can do that right now. Just say, God, I need you. When you do that, you're acknowledging, I need God. I need you. I'm running to you. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my mistakes and my failures. I accept your love and your compassion and your grace towards me. 
God, I'm gonna choose today to live for you from this day forward in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know if you, you or you, are you online, if you have prayed that prayer for the first time and you called out to God and you turned to him, I want you to know all of heaven is rejoicing. So let's just go ahead and rejoice with him because this is the father heart of God. Maybe you're here today and you have been works focused. And you say, Pastor, I know I live self-righteously. I am more concerned about what other people do and I'm not paying attention to myself. You need to ask for forgiveness of that. So Lord, we pray, as, as Paul says, that if anyone be in Christ, they become a new creation. Lord, take that old spirit out of us and place your heart within us. God, we pray that Thrive Church would be a church that has the heart of God, Father God, that we would be about doing the work of the church, that we would be lost focus. Help us as we move forward, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that first prayer for the very first time and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we have a free gift that we wanna give to you. It's a Bible that will give you steps on moving forward. And you just go back to the guest center and say, hey, I prayed that prayer, I would like to have that gift. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I wanna thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.